0: I want you to turn with me over to Ephesians, and over into the fourth chapter there. Now we've been we've been discussing Paul's writing here to the church at Ephesus, and to me, this particular book, six chapters, 140 something scriptures. I mean, it's very simple, but yet very packed with revelation. I mean the revelation of Jesus, the revelation of who he is, what he did, the power of his uh, of his uh defeat over the devil and and what he did for us, praise God. And then it shows us what we have in him. And we have this very the very thing that he defeated the devil in that victory is now our victory. And uh, I was sharing with someone the other night and uh you, you know the, the Uh, The the other day and and uh, several times with even other people through through our ministry that have been bound with alcohol and uh, they they want to be free. They really listen. There's some people that are addicted that really do want to be free, but they haven't got the revelation yet of what Jesus really did for them. This person was talking and several people have talked to me about alcoholism. They were they belonged to Alcoholic Anonymous and, and I said, Well I said just stop right there. That tells me why you don't have the victory right now. Because every time you go to that meeting, you have to stand up and say my name is so and so and I am an alcoholic. And you you're you're putting yourself in a position to be exactly what your words are saying. Why not say, I'm an overcomer. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have struggles in the flesh. Sometimes we have struggles in the flesh. Sometimes there's things that overwhelm us and can overtake us and overpower us. There's times that we can get frustrated. Anybody ever got frustrated with situations and and, uh, you you just don't know what to do next and, and frustration hits? But that's where you can turn to the Lord because, see, it's through Him that we have the victory. It's through Christ that we have the victory. It's by His blood that we've been redeemed. It's by His blood that the devil's been defeated. And the devil cannot violate the truth of God, and that truth is he was defeated 2,000 years ago. Praise God. Somebody said, well, yeah, but look what the devil's doing. Yeah, he's doing a whole lot in people's lives that don't know him and and also in many people's lives that are watering down the gospel and they're just saying, well, you know, uh, God's grace will cover everything. His grace does cover it all. I, I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. God's grace is overwhelming. I'm telling you, His grace, we we are not what we are in Christ without the grace of God. You can't do it by yourself. There's no way you can do it by yourself, and that's why He did it for us. He became sin. He he became what we were. He became unrighteous, unholy in that sense so that we who were in sin could be made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So, you know, thank God, but Yeah, the flesh can try to overwhelm us if we let this mind. That's why we've got to renew this mind every day. And uh, you'll hear us talk about that often, about renewing the mind. We've got to stay in the Word. Find out what the Word says about something. Uh, Speak that Word. Rejoice in that Word. But Ephesians 1 through 3 has given us a revelation of what we have in Christ. And... That what God has given us should be manifested in our walk with the Lord. We're saved. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We have His peace. We have His joy. We have His love. We have all of these things that God is in our life because we received Him. And so what happens is everything that He's given us should be manifested in our everyday walk with the Lord. Every one of us. Should see it manifested? In other words, uh, divine truth only can become fruitful in our lives, only as it's transmitted in life. In other words, we've got to let revelation come to realization in our hearts, and then that realization is illuminated into application to where we do what God says to do. Now, the more we know the truth and believe it, the greater our responsibility is to live it. Hmm. Did you know the more that you know, the more you're responsible for? Amen. The more we know, the more we're responsible for. If somebody doesn't know anything, there's no way they could be responsible for it if they don't know it and don't have the revelation of it. But the more we know, the greater our responsibility is to live it. Head knowledge has got to become heart experience. We've got to know it in here. We've got to believe it in here. And consistency in the daily walk should be a a vital concern for every believer. We, We need to be consistent with our walk. Have you ever seen somebody that when everything is going, they're on a high, you know, and everything is going really smooth and everything's going really good. Boy, you see them, they just smile and hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to God. God is so good. And then all of a sudden something happens. Maybe it doesn't look like it's happening good like it's supposed to. And their whole countenance changes, their whole demeanor changes, their their vocabulary changes. They they begin to talk doubt, fear, and unbelief rather than faith and joy and peace in the Lord. So <laughs> we, we've we got to uh, let this come be consistent in our everyday life. Amen? And that's what we're talking about. We're, this is called Walk of the Believer Part 2. We started into the Walk of the Believer last week, and we're going to finish it up here tonight on this portion of it. And what it is, Ephesians chapter four and five, chapters four and chapter five, it tells how men should see Christ in us on earth. In other words, what we are is what what we are is what people see Christ as. Amen. If if we are full of joy and full of peace, that's what the world's going to see. But if they see anything opposite, guess what? They may not want anything you got. Like one little lady she decided to go down on Skid Row downtown and and hand out tracts and tell people about Jesus and there's nothing wrong with that. I think I commend anybody that gets out and begins to distribute the literature and the word of God and pray for people. But she is out there and bless her heart. See, and it wasn't that she did, didn't have compassion, but you know there's a time to there's a time to cry and there's a time to laugh. Amen. There's a time to uh, uh, praise God and there's a time to just be quiet. But what ha- what she did, she got out there and was handing out the tracks and she got to bawling and squalling and said, Oh, you need my Jesus, you need my Jesus. And this one guy just shoved it back and said, Lady, I've got enough problems of my own. I don't need your Jesus. <laughs> well, and re- see, what people see us as... Is what we're we're portraying Christ as. I want to be happy in the Lord and joyful in the Lord, so people can know there's true joy in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So, in chapter four, and verse one, Paul writes this statement to the church at Ephesus. He said, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord." Now. Paul was literally a prisoner in jail when he wrote this particular letter to the church at Ephesus. But also in that meaning the prisoner of the Lord, he's captive to God. The Lord has captivated him. And he belongs to God. He in many places you see where he talks about being a love slave, you know, and so we 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 are we're a love slave to the Lord tonight. Amen. Because he loves us and we love him. And therefore, uh, we we can call ourselves the prisoner of the Lord in that sense. (laughs) But he was also talking about being a prisoner in a particular prison where he was writing this letter from. He said, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling with which you're called. Walk worthy of the calling which you're called. I've had many young preachers. I was a very young preacher one time, starting out for the Lord. And and our egos can get this big, you know. <laughs> and uh, But uh, one minister friend of mine, he'd always tell me, he said, Brother Clarence, he said, just stay humble. Stay humble. Realize it's not you, but it's God. Realize it's not you, it's the gift God's put in you that God can use. And so all, all of the Lord is, all, he was just saying, just be humble. Be humble. So we need to walk worthy of the calling which we're called. Walk worthy of that calling. Now, he exhorts the saints of God here in Ephesus here to see to it that their Christian experience, their Christian life that they live should weigh as much as the profession of Christianity which they make. In other words, anybody can say I'm a Christian. Anybody can say, "Hmm, I belong to a church. But what does their life say about who they are and what they are? And what's sad is, it's not so much the sinners that we're concerned about. Paul's not actually writing to the sinners, those that don't know the Lord. He's writing to the saints of God. walk worthy Of the vocation wherewith you're called. We've got a high calling tonight. We've got a high calling of God. And that's to be um, a witness and an example. In other words, put it more simply. God wants us to practice what we preach. Hallelujah. Practice what we preach. If you're going to tell somebody to praise God in a hard time. You better praise God in your hard time too. Amen. If you're going to tell somebody to love and forgive, you better be loving and forgiving too. If you're going to tell somebody, don't you gossip? Don't do that. You better not be gossiping either. <laughs> we we're to practice what we preach. Let it become reality. Now we want to look at some areas here real briefly tonight in in uh, Ephesians four, uh, chapter uh, verses three, verse six through six. He said, uh, I I endeavoring, and he's talking to the believers, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, sometimes you've got to be diplomatic to keep unity. It's so easy if somebody, just using this for an example, if somebody hauled off and slapped you, first thing you want to do is just react and slap them back, you know. (laughs) or if somebody says something bad to you 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 want to retaliate with something else and but he said endeavoring that word endeavor means you got to work at it a little bit you got to you got to be uh sure that your life is exemplifying what Jesus is to the people and he said, endeavouring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, because what there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Now how many knows what's happened in the in the religious world today, even in the full gospel ranks? I mean, I'm talking about those that are spirit filled, Holy Ghost filled, um, word believing, and, and all. We, we get different camps out here. We've got one that's going to have what we call faith camp. And I believe in faith 100% because without faith you can't please God. And you're going to hear me preach on faith a whole lot because it is faith. But then they get exclusive within themselves. And they start pointing the finger at those that's maybe not as strong in their faith. And strong in their faith actions. And they start criticizing and putting them down. Rather than trying to encourage them. And get with some of them. And encourage them with the word. And show by example of what God's done in your life. And you'll see things begin to happen. I've seen... People of other denominations that didn't believe in the fullness of the Spirit and speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. And I've seen them be very critical. And of course, you know what? Our human nature, our human nature wants to rise up and say, well, I'll tell you what, I got more than you got. Well, right there, you just lost all that you had because you got mad. Amen? But... You know, God can, God can, God can move. How many remembers before you got the revelation of of the fullness of the Spirit, and before you really got that revelation, where you were? I mean, to be honest, and, and, and then and then there's some that get out here in left field, I call it left field, and they they got manifestations and things that. I'm not saying that God doesn't do do things strangely (laughs) to the flesh. He does. But what I'm saying is you can't make a doctrine out of it. See, God's not wanting us to make a doctrine out of our experiences. Let's keep the doctrine of the Word alive and powerful and true. And our experiences are going to come up to the standards of the Word. Amen? And you don't have to worry about trying to explain yourself. Because when God's in it, God's in it. If God's not in it, then he's not in it. Amen? But look what he exhorts them here. He he exhorts the saints to see to it that their Christian experience, the life that they're living in Christ, should, uh, should show forth in their profession of Christianity, and people can see Christ in everything that they do. In other words, they're practicing what they preach. So it's a walk in unity. Now the primary necessary of wholeness and health in all the organs of the human body is the perfect co- coordination of action of every part with every other part. Did you know, they, how many knows that they have all kinds of diseases, diseases? And it's because sometimes the organs of the body are not cooperating with each other. Um, and and the body gets diseased. Dis-eased. It's diseased, but that's where the word disease comes from. We, we've got diseased in our body, and uh, it's it. Sometimes it's out of coordination. It's out of out of whack. You know, uh, you know your 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 different levels in your body can get out of whack. Amen. Uh, your sugar levels, your um, whatever thyroid levels. All, I mean, all these things can get out of whack and get out of uh, out of coordination what they should be doing. And thank God that God's given the wisdom to doctors; they know how to help bring some of that under control and and help people to live a normal life because of it. But also, this is what happens in the body of Christ: if there's dysfunction in the body, and there's dysfunction with somebody holier than thou and somebody more spiritual than thou, you know, and and we're 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 trying to uh, be the big eye and uh, one pastor. I took care of his church for two months and he wanted me to find out. He said, I want you to to, to to observe everything and tell me what you think is wrong. So when he got back from his trip, I just, uh, he said, Well, what did you, what did you see? I said, Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> and this is probably the most important thing. And it may be the only thing that I tell you. But I said, You got too many chiefs and not enough Indians. <laughs> Everybody wanted to be the boss. Everybody. Now look, we're one. Amen. This body, this body can't function without the arm, without the fingers, without the leg, without the toes, without our brain, without our eyes. This we're but we're we're different entities. It's different entities, but one body. And God has one body. But you can't all be the chief. Or then you don't have nobody to be <laughs> The ones uh, to help. There's helpers. Amen? And so what Paul is saying here, he said, uh, you know, we got to get in unity. Unity. Our, the body of Christ has got to get in unity. Even our small body here has got to get in unity. If we get disunified, we're not going to do anything for the kingdom of God so we've got to be unified in the spirit and have the unity of the spirit operating in our lives uh you know a, a professing church is just an organization and i've said it often i thank god for the facilities that we have i think there's some of the most beautiful facilities that people should want and desire to have something like this you know thank god listen i i I believe that God's people should have the best. I believe God's people should make it look like the best. I believe we should clean it as the best. I you know, I, I believe that everything we should look at it as as the best. Now this this church building is simply it's not the church. It's it's a place that houses the church. Where the church can come in and congregate together. And enjoy the blessings of the Lord together. It's just a building, in other words. But you know what? I do believe that when people walk through those doors, they can sense the presence of the Lord. I believe the anointing of God can be so strong they can get healed as they walk through that door. I believe they can get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost as they walk through that door. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not saying that the presence of God. But what brings the presence of the Lord? The body. See, the body of believers. The Christians. We have Him in us, and he's, he's inside of us. So unity is important, but the true church is not just an organization, it's an organism. We're a living organism. When we leave this place, we touch people outside this building. You run into people at stores and wherever you might be, and, and you, you, you're a living organism. You're, you're, you're reaching out. As the church outside those walls. So it, it's got to be a bond of unity. And the bond of unity is love. Love is the bond of unity. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 2. He said, with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing one another in love. You know what that means? That means you put up with somebody sometimes when you don't want to. <laughs> hey, husbands and wives go through this stage. <laughs> sometimes we forbo- you forbear your spouse in love. Or, or the children, or the grandchildren, sometimes you you forbear them in love. It's not that you don't love them, but how many understand what I'm saying? Sometimes they can just get under your feet, get on your nerves. And, uh, but, but what, what the what Paul is telling us, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, long suffering is the key here. Long suffering. We've got to be long suffering with one another. Somebody said, well, I don't know when they're going to change. Well, just be long suffering. God's working on them. Hallelujah. God's working on them. God, God does the changing. You can't beat nobody overhead and say you're going to be a saint of God, you know. They're going to change as the Spirit of God is moving in them. But we, with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering forbearing one another in love. And look at verse 15 in chapter 4. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the bond of peace. And then in verse 16, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Listen. Love. Didn't Paul write something in Corinthians? He said, love is the greatest of all these things. And you begin to see what love is in that chapter. Love endures. Love, uh, you know, love puts up with other things because that's what love does. Amen. It's the love of God operated in us. and. But there's unity and diversity through the graces of the Spirit. Now look at Ephesians 4, verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace. That word grace is important here. Now grace in the Hebrew and the Greek definitions of the word grace, when you look at it, you're going to see many different definitions. Most of the time when we think of grace, we think of God's Favor unmerited favor we don't deserve anything god's grace is in our life, and that's true that is the that is the grace of god, the grace of God, but then also there's when you look in the epistles of Paul, especially in the word grace, it talks about ability or gifting um he was able to preach according to the grace that was given to him, according to the ability that was given to him. I can't preach like anybody else. All I can preach at preach like is what God gives me the ability to preach. And and, and I don't expect anybody to preach like me. They have to preach with the grace or that gifting and that ability that God gives them to do it. Doesn't mean one's greater than the other. I mean I think that think that's where People in America and all over the world go wrong. They start exalting somebody above everybody else. And and he's the greatest preacher and he's better than anybody in this world. Well, he may be a great articulate speaker, but that doesn't necessarily make him the greatest preacher. Amen? If love's not there, he's not very great at all. So... What Paul is saying here, and every one of us is given grace, and that word grace actually means God's ability, His divine ability in us. And every one of us is given ability according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The gift of Christ. Now, because you're going to see later on that he gave some in the very next verse there, verse uh Well, let's look at verse 4, verse 16 first. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and contacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So the whole body fitly joined together. You know, in other words, if my foot wanted to be my hand, I'd look awful lot up here tonight. Amen? Amen. if my nose wanted to be my eye, I'd, I'd look even worse. Every member has a specific thing that God's called them to do. Every member. Every person that's a child of God in the body of Christ has a specific calling and an ability. And God fitly joins it together and compacts that by every joint uh, a supplying. See, the body, did you know the body supplies to the next joint and the next portion of the body? Your supply it supplies itself from the different organs and the different portions of the body. When you cut yourself, did you know there's other thing, that they there's blood cells that rush to that uh, that place where you're wounded and hurt, and it it brings healing because we're joined together, fitly joined together. And every joint supplies according to the effectual working of the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, and he gave some. This is Paul still talking to the church here at Ephesus. And he gave some. He didn't say all. I want to emphasize that. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of every man, uh, of man in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things, uh in, in him into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does to share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We all have a we all have a place. We all have a place. There are some apostles. Now there's an apostolic move going on today that everybody's self proclaimed apostles. Um Not everybody is an apostle. (laughs) Not everybody is a prophet. Not everybody is an evangelist in the sense of what he's talking about here. We're all evangelists in the fact that we're all witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some that have a calling of God to be evangelists. There's some people that just go out here and and set up a, a service on the street corner and get people saved. That's an evangelist. The apostle... He kind of holds everything together. Brother Osteen told it like this one time. He said, "You got the uh, thumb; that kind of holds everything. He's the he's the apostle. Then you got the pointer; he's the prophet. <laughs> you know, this is what thus saith the Lord. And then you have got the, the the middle finger, which is is reaches out in evangelism, in evangelism." And then you got your ring finger. That's the one where the ring goes on. That that's that's uh that's the love, that's the that's the being married to and 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 being part of in that situation. Then you got the little finger. Not much use for that except get in the ear and you know clean it out good. <laughs> that involves a teacher, you know. <laughs> and thank God we all we all have our place. In the body of Christ, now an apostle, when you look at it the at the apost- apostolic move and the move of God in the Word of God with apostles, see not everybody that got saved filled the Holy Ghost feel fulfilled the thing that Paul and Peter and James and John and all these other ones did that were apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ they didn't they didn't all do that because not everybody's called to do that, but an apostle is generally somebody that can function in all five callings of what we call the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they usually can fulfill and fit into all of those categories. Then you've got some that are prophetic, and they're prophets of God. I mean, listen, when they come in, you know God's come in with them, you know. And uh, some people are scared when a prophet comes in. But you ought to be... Fearful, even in the presence of the Lord, because God isn't going to let anything go unturned. Amen. So, but we all have our place. I, I remember, if you ever been, to, you ever been to these little uh, uh, symphonies? You know, I, my daughter was in one in in uh, grade school, and dear Lord, I, you know, that's one of those things you just endure. You know, and you just smile and say, "Isn't that beautiful?" <laughs> I mean everybody was off key you know all the little kids were on their violins and and everything but there's one little fella he he stood back there and he, he's got this little triangle he's got this little metal thing that he he only hits that little triangle at one spot in that whole song and there's a little boy he was he was there and he had his little symbol up there, you know, his uh, triangle, and he was ready to, he wanted to hit it every time, and the symphony director said, no, not yet, not yet. You know, he just, and he said, now? No, not yet, not yet. And we come to the end of the song, guess what? He said, now, Johnny, now. And he just did his little thing with that, and it was the ending of the song. <laughs> but it was all needed. See, it was all needed. We're all needed in everything that we do. And when we all do it in God's timing, Guess what? We're going to see the blessings of God flow like God wants to flow because that's what the Lord does. Amen? Now, there's another walk that God wants us to get into and that's a walk in holiness. Believers are not to walk as other Gentiles walk. See, sinners walk according to the world, the flesh, and the devil. God's people are not to do that. I Listen, I have never heard so many reports. Ministries... People in churches of uh, just doing what they want to do, you know. They they just if they, if they're tired of their wife, they'll just go get another one right there in the same congregation. Have the preacher marry them right there in that church. I'm, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about legal divorce. You know you how me understands what I'm saying. It, it, it's it's a it's a world. It's a it's a spirit in the world today that is causing destruction. In this world, and it's also slipping into many churches. God still wants holiness, amen. And we're not to walk as the other Gentiles walk. I tell, I believe God has a standard. Preachers, listen. As a pastor, as a minister, there's a standard God holds. There's a higher standard that I have as a minister, that God holds me, too, in that position. Now, we're all held to the standard of holiness in the Word of God. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about in leadership. There's a standard. Listen, if we can't live up to the standard, we might as well forget about doing anything. Because God has His standard, and we can't tell God how we're going to run it. we got to do it like God says, and that's a way of holiness. God still wants us to be holy. Can you say amen? Look at Ephesians 2. Uh, we read this other day, but you who you made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins and in, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. See, sinners can't help but be sinners. People in the world can't help but be sinners because that's their nature. That's their nature. They can be good people, but they're still sinners. And usually what happens is if you're trying to live in this world, you're going to, you're going to live according to the world, and that's not what God's saying. But spiritual death is being alienated from the life of God. So if we're, if we're dead in our sins, we're alienated we're separated from the very life of God. And God wants us to be able to come back. And sin alienated Adam and Eve from the Lord. How many remembers remember when Adam and Eve failed God and they made the decision to do go against God's will and God's plan and they did it and they sinned and they were afraid and they, they got fig leaves and covered themselves in it and fear gripped their hearts. But, you know, thank God. See, God's mercy and grace was there. And the very first covenant ritual was done. Where the Lord took the skin of an animal and covered them and covered their nakedness. And the covenant relationship with the Lord was, was, was still going on. But sin still alienates people from the life of God. When we sin, we're, we've alienated our life from God. I don't know about you, but when I was a little boy. I tell you what, if I did something wrong, I alienated myself from my mom and my daddy. <laughs> Because I knew what would happen if they found out what I just did, you know. They had their belt and they had their ways of of punishing and they had their ways of letting us know we're still your mom and daddy. My daddy said, we brought you into this world, we can take you out too. (laughs) But mental darkness. See, people are mentally darkened in their thinking. They have moral degeneracy. I don't know. I don't know if I'm sure you've noticed. Television has become as bad as the porn movies out there in, in, in the world. Some, 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 some television. But but it slipped in, and gradually, gradually, it's kind of like the, the little frog that's gets into the uh, to the water on the boiling water. You know, he he doesn't realize he's boiling. Till the heat just kind of keeps coming up and coming up. And he just gets acclimated to the heat. And before long, he's boiled. And that's what happens when sin, it's degenerative. And, And before long, it just little by little by little by little. Listen, the church had a standard of holiness in the old, 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 old days. Amen? And somehow, that standard of holiness... Has just been pushed aside. God's still a holy God, and He said, "Be ye holy, for I'm holy." And so, what God's saying? Let's put on the uh, let's put off the old and put on the new. Ephesians four verses twenty through twenty four, and we we just got to reckon the fact that Jesus died for us. He was crucified for us, and we're redeemed. Amen. So the walk, when you're walking with the Lord, that involves a radical change in your character. That's what we are. Our character is what we are. If if a person's a liar, guess what? His character is lying. If a person's a thief, his character is a thief. So what happens when we walk in holiness, it involves a radical change in our character, what we are. What we are when we come when we come to know the Lord, what we are when we go out that door. Somebody should notice a difference in us right away, because we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away; behold, all things become new. And there's something that takes place when a person's born again. I've told the story about my friend um, that was my second father, and my, his wife was my second mom. And she, I just talked to her the other day on Mother's Day. She's 94 now, and uh, she's still going strong. Praise God! <laughs> but uh, Anyway, I I, I he came, I'll never forget the night. I was a kid. He came in and gave his heart to the Lord. He was an alcoholic. He was drunk. He staggered down the aisle. He stunk with the the stench of alcohol and, and uh the sweat and all that with it on top of it, you know. And he came down and at the end they gave an altar call and he came down and gave his he came down, started bawling and squalling. People sat there, and said, Well it ain't gonna last, it ain't gonna last while well, he's drunk or the skunk. Well, it ain't gonna last. You know what? He got up from there sober. Walked down the aisle, went home, crossed the streets where he lived. The next service, he had his whole family in there, and they all got saved. And they became strong in the things of God. He got filled with the Holy Ghost, called to preach. And him and my dad ministered together and did radio programs together. And, and uh, this man moved on up into Oklahoma, and he he, he he ministered for a long time, pastored several churches in his tenure, and, and just kept on going for God. He never went back to alcohol. Why? Because God changed him. So, there's a radical change. There's a radical change in our conduct, what we do. There's a radical change in our conversation, what we say. Hallelujah. So, God desires to present Himself a glorious church. Now, we've got to walk in love. Look at Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. For a sweet smelling aroma and walk in love as Christ who has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and savor. Now he said, "Be imitators." That word comes from the word mimic. You, 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 how many of you ever noticed your kids and your grandkids? Sometimes they'll try to mimic you. <laughs> they're imitating you. They're they're mimicking you. And so this word imitator, uh, be imitator. Of God came from the word mimic, coming from the Greek word meaning followers or imitators, and uh, uh, that we have words from our old Christian song "To Be Like Jesus." How many's ever sang that song? To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him, all through life's journey. You know, I want to be like Jesus. So that's that's what it is. God is love, so His standard becomes our standard. As He is, so are we to be and do. Amen? To love as God love is one of the greatest proofs that we are His. How will they know that we're children of God? By the love that we show to one another. Amen? In fact, the Bible said in Antioch, they were first called Christians in Antioch. What does that mean? Christ-like. To be like Christ. They were first called Christians there. So when you're called a Christian, people expect something, a higher standard from us. Because God says His standard is our standard now. Amen? And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And Jesus is telling us to do the same thing. This is my commandment, that you love one another even as I've loved you. (laughs) This is a commandment of the Lord, to love one another even as I've loved you. Don't talk it, but walk it. Praise God. I've had people come up to me and say, "I love you, brother Clarence." I said, "No, you don't." I knew they didn't. You know, they'd already spread a bunch of junk, and I knew that that Listen, that's not love. Amen. I tell you what, when that when that juiciness comes out like that, I, I just kind of back off a little bit, you know, because you can tell when it's genuine love. Amen. He said, "This is my commandment that you love one another." But we don't. Leave, and then First John said, "We don't love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth." Amen. We love as Christ loves, and we're going to walk in light. We're still talking about the walk of the believer here. We're going to walk in light. The works of darkness keeps a person from living in the light of God, and uh, we, you know, we're, we're going to. We, we can't stay in the works of the flesh and walk in the light of God we've got to come to a point where we start cleaning up our lives that's the first thing I remember we had some people got saved they had never been saved in their life they got saved and they were cussers and all this you know and every once in a while we'd be working on the church or something and and, and they'd get to go and they a cuss word come out oh, oh brother Clarence I please forgive me you know I said hey I forgive you now just ask God to forgive you And I said, God's going to help you overcome that. Praise God. And he did. He helped them all overcome it. Praise the Lord. But the works of darkness keeps a person from living in the light of God. We're children of light. And uh, we need to ask ourselves sometimes when we're we're living what we're doing, is this acceptable to God? And I'm not just talking about actions. Uh, I know nearly all of us. We wouldn't even think about going to a beer joint, right? Amen. We wouldn't think about going to a porno movie or nothing like that. No, that's not going to be part of our deal. But what we've got to do, is this acceptable to God? Is my attitude acceptable to God? Am I showing love that's acceptable to God? Am I walking in love that's acceptable to God? Not Well, I don't see much harm in that. (laughs) No, is it acceptable to God? Is it acceptable to God? And it's not, well, doesn't everybody do it? No, is it acceptable to God? So we don't go by what everybody else does, about what everybody else says. Is it acceptable to God? So what we want to do is have that uh, to be accepted. And the final thing I want to share with you, walk in harmony. Walk in harmony. How many you knows you've got to be in harmony? The social order today in this world is disjointed and out of order. Our country is disjointed and out of order today. I mean, everywhere you look you see all of this uprising and, and uh and it's being funded by atheistic heathen men that's got more money than they know what to do with, and they're they're funding this uprising. They're not interested in people. I mean, it's just like the, the health care system. I mean, they're not interested in the little folks out here. Those, those, You know what they should have done? Every senator, every representative, every government official should be on the same thing that everybody else had to be on. Amen? Well, that's politics, but that's what I believe. <laughs> but Paul gives us a simple but a very workable basis for harmony in all varied relationships subjecting yourselves to one another in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Jerry comes to me and says, Brother Clarence, I don't know how to approach you. You know, really, a lot of people don't know how to approach a minister sometimes. I mean, I wouldn't know how to approach a great man of God if I was around him, you know. But... If Brother Jerry saw something in me, maybe I was too harsh or too, um, uh, I don't know, just too mean. <laughs> but it, he said, you know, Brother Clarence, I think you need to just let God's love kind of flow a little more. You know what? It's his responsibility to share that. It's my responsibility to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, show me where I've been wrong." Amen? Show me where I've been wrong. And let's begin to walk in the love of God. And uh, the Bible says, husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church. There'd be less divorces if all of this was put in place. Amen? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. (laughs) There'd be less problems in our society if the children would even come under this submission and obey. And servants, now that we don't have what we call servants, sometimes we feel like we're a servant when we're going on our jobs, but, but, but it says servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. In other words, when we're for on a job, we're submissive and obedient. You know? I, I mean, I remember on jobs. Boy, when it came time that buzzer buzzed at the time we were supposed to get off, I mean, they already had they already had their stuff ready to go fifteen minutes beforehand. They'd already been getting prepared for that. And and then if the boss came in and said, "I need y'all to stay about thirty minutes longer," boy, boy, they just oh, oh no, I'm 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 supposed to clock out here at five o'clock. You know that's what that's what it says here. And you know what happened? They didn't last too long. They found a reason. <laughs> to find somebody that could be submissive. Amen? And if we're going to get along in life, we've got to serve us, be obedient to those that are over you. Praise God. So in conclusion tonight, we as believers need to learn how to sit, rest in our redemptive work that Jesus has done and the redemptive work that He's done. We can't really walk until we know who we are in Christ. And once we understand who we are, what He's done, and what we have because of what He's done, then we're going to be able to walk and conduct ourselves as Christians. And then finally, we're going to walk in in victory. And the next lesson next week is going to be on the warfare of the Christian and showing you how to overcome and go against the powers of darkness and find out what Ephesians 6 is really talking about. It's not just talking about you out here batting against the devil. No, it's talking about you with the armor of God that He puts on you. It's all for the front of you, not for the back of you. It's for invasion. It's for moving in. And it's intercession is what it amounts to. Intercession for other people, other believers, other people that's in bondage. And God says He's going. To, he gives us the power to go in and set them free. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're learning how to walk. We're learning how to enjoy who we are. And next week, we're going to learn how to fight the devil. Praise God. Amen. Do you love the Lord tonight? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. Lord God, we just ask now that you just move supernaturally in our lives. Let this revelation come alive to our hearts and our minds so that we can walk in the power of God in the peace and the joy of the Holy Ghost. And we just give you praise for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, God,